Hi everyone, it's Mike Schellenberger with Public. Last March, I testified before Congress with Matt Taibbi about the Twitter files. During my testimony, I criticized two so-called news rating organizations. One of them, which is called NewsGuard, got in touch afterwards, and with their permission, I recorded an interview. This is a pretty strange podcast. A large amount of it is me arguing with the two founders of NewsGuard, Stephen Brill and Gordon Krovitz. Before starting NewsGuard, Brill had created Court TV, and Krovitz was the publisher of the Wall Street Journal. It's a weird podcast, but hopefully one that you'll find interesting and even entertaining. As I note in the written piece accompanying this podcast, I have mixed feelings about NewsGuard. On the one hand, I strongly disagree with their fundamental approach, which I view as hypocritical and arrogant, playing to the fears and greed of legacy media. At the same time, NewsGuard's reliability ratings are really good, and they've actually inspired public and me to deepen our commitment to high journalistic standards. What's more, our debate has reminded me of the importance of humility, which is something I think NewsGuard and the legacy news media lack. If there's a single takeaway from this argument, it's that we need free and open disagreement, not just to function as a democracy, but also to be fully human. It bothers me to see so many people trying to shut down disagreement through overt censorship and bullying. If you don't agree with what somebody else is saying, criticize them openly. Stop trying to secretly censor them or demand that they be boycotted behind the scenes through some hypocritical ranking system. As we keep pointing out, the people demanding censorship and advertiser boycotts are as guilty of so-called misinformation as the people they are attacking. Well, thanks so much for reaching out to me. My pleasure. We, um, I enjoyed your 68 pages, except for the parts that refer to us, which we'd love to talk about. Okay. And um, we we'll talk about the rest of it too, because we yeah. mostly agree with it. Yeah, we, we do. So, <laughs> okay. It was. Well, let's start with um, the interaction. Uh, the email that you sent to me, did you send that to other people? I sent it to Matt. But did you yeah. send the email you sent to Matt to other people? No. Um, no, I did. Um, okay. I had a media request from Washington Examiner. So you he so 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 the so the Washington Examiner asked you for the email. Yes, but it, we were we were talking about it, and I said I just sent something, and I volunteered to send it to. Okay. And did you let Matt know that you sent it to them? No, I don't, I don't think I did. Okay. Um, you seem to disagree that the $750,000 you received from the Pentagon is funding. No, that's, that's not, that's not quite it. Um, okay. What is the issue? Well, let me give you an analog. Okay. We have identified a bunch of sites, which we call pink slime news sites. And these are sites posing as independent local news uh, startups. They typically style themselves as .orgs. And their about statement says that they are, uh, that they were started to, uh, 
to address the local news desert caused by the decline of local newspapers. So, so far it all sounds great, right? Um, it turns out that they're funded by um, a PAC, which is funded by something uh, called Arabella Partners or something like that, which advisors. is yeah, Arabella um, Advisors, which is a liberal PAC um, that is a dark money uh, fund. And what these sites do is they, um, they write, uh, uh, they're typically targeted at, at swing congressional districts and swing states and they write uh, wonderful things about the Democrat who's running or who was running in the recent election. You know, he just attended a ribbon cutting to open this new healthcare center or whatever it is. And they write, you know, negative stuff about whoever the Republican is who's running against him. And what tipped the balance for us is we did some reporting, I think we relied on some other reporting um, to get hold of the fundraising letters that this organization sent out to the George Soros's of the world and uh, the Pierre Omidares, um, I think Lorraine Powell Jobs, a whole bunch of other people. And they said that what, you know, what this money will go for is to correct um, the distortion by conservative media and will help elect you know, local uh, Democratic officials. They, they were just upfront in their fundraising. So when we refer to those uh, sites in our ratings at NewsGuard, we refer to them as sites that are uh, secretly funded uh, by Democratic uh, political action committees or some such thing. I don't know if that's the exact language. So what we're thinking of there is, okay, what's, what's the reason they started up and we've seen their fundraising letters. So with our contract with uh, the Pentagon, we didn't form NewsGuard or do anything at NewsGuard that has anything to do with us, you know, approaching the Pentagon saying, hey, if you give us this money, we'll do this. It's a product that we have. And by the way, the product that we have has nothing to do with the rating of individual news sites. It has to do with what's called our misinformation fingerprints, which is a catalog that we have developed that are now 1,100 plus or 1,200 plus um, individual false narratives that are out there in, you know, on the internet and we've turned them into um, machine uh, readable descriptions of the narrative, the debunk, the search terms, et cetera, et cetera. That is the product that the Pentagon licensed from us. So when I read that NewsGuard is government funded, that sounds like, well, the government, you know, uh, we're a nonprofit and we went to the government and we said, if you fund us, we'll do all these wonderful things. And the wonderful things we do, which we may think are wonderful, um, among the things we don't do for the government is, uh, you know, provide, you know, our opinion on the rating of individual news sites. That's one set of data that we have. The data that we license there were the misinformation fingerprints. And that's in no way, a, uh, you know, anything approaching a majority of our revenue, even, even last year when we were still growing to where we are this year. So Michael, the other context for this is even before the hearing, there was some confusion between us and another 
entity, a nonprofit. Yeah, GDI, yeah. which 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 has raised funds from exactly those people or some of those people who are funding the pink slime sites. And there's been reporting that they got the kind of open-ended grants to do ratings. So our point is that, and the reason we've used the analogy to Verizon, we provide a service to the Pentagon. They license our data, as Steve said, misinformation fingerprints, like others. They're just another licensee. So to say that we're government funded is like saying Verizon is government funded. Yes, we have a government contract. We're proud of the work that we do with the Pentagon to counter Russian and Chinese disinformation. And if somebody wants to argue that that shouldn't be done, we're happy to talk about that. But that's so different from what I think the concern is, which we understand, of the government being involved in censorship or or funding an entity that operates in a partisan and secret manner, yeah. like GDI. Especially secret manner. You know, nothing we do is in secret, as you well know. In fact, that, in fact, the quote discovery that we had a Pentagon contract but could have been discovered by anyone who read the press release we put out in 2021. Yeah, I mean, you guys were not breathless about having discovered it, but some of the media coverage was. Now, in your 2021 social impact report, did NewsGuard call the $750,000 payment a grant? Yeah, we did, because um, under what's called a SIBR, which is a small business innovation and research program, um, the government calls them grants. But uh, what we supplied to the reporter from the Federalist yesterday, she just she still did you know, didn't agree with our characterization, but I thought it was quite fair and at least you know uh, uh, reflecting our side of the story. Um, we showed her exactly what the contract was and what it stipulates, and it's anything but a grant. It has you know fifteen different. Uh, milestones of when we produce how many fingerprints where, and it's licensed. You know, if, if it's a if, license to, you know, to give them those fingerprints. But you called it a grant in your report, did you not? Well, because the government they called calls it a grant. It's a SIBR, and SIBRs are in the form of grants. But this was a grant in exchange for giving the Pentagon a license to use data that we have. When so do you? I mean, so was it wrong to say grant in your report? Is that? It, it, it was, no. It, it, well, we, we described we in our press release the use of the license by the Pentagon. And if somebody wants to say it was a cyber grant under which the Pentagon got a license to use our data, that's act, very accurate. I mean, if, 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 I guess the answer to your question is, as to, it was one of us who drafted this press release. It, if I were drafting it again, I certainly would not have used the word grant if I knew that it was going to become, um, you know, subject to what I think is uh, not exactly a precise description of what we do as a general matter and what we did for the Pentagon in particular. What, I mean, so so do you think it should be corrected? I think it should have been called a contract, which is what it was. It, it, was a, it was a licensing contract. Well, this gets right to the question then of what misinformation is, doesn't it? 
Is it misinformation when you said it was a grant? No, come on. Come on. If you want, if as I said, if you want to call it a grant, this is the exact language if you'd like to use it. We got a grant that enabled the Pentagon to have a license to get access to data that it used to counter Russian and Chinese disinformation. That's so different from the context of what you wrote and of what the hearing said that painted us with the same brush as GDI, where I, we completely understand the objection to National Endowment for Democracy and the GEC funding a secret rating system of domestic news sites. That's a, it's just a completely different thing. So, you know, our, our objection is not the word grant. Our objection is the mischaracterization of what we do for the government. What we do for the government is they are a licensee. They use our misinformation fingerprints for one of the purposes for which they were designed, which is identifying and tracking information operations, chiefly from Russia and China, which the Pentagon does under a license. So that's that's our issue. I mean, th there's also an issue here of the definition of misinformation. And if you don't think that's an important question, then I got to wonder what no, the... What, what, wait, wait, let wait, me, wait, I mean... Wait, wait, wait. Our, have you looked at our criteria? Have you looked at our rating system? Well, I mean, let me, let's give another, let's talk about another example. NewsGuard labeled the lab leak theory debunked and a conspiracy theory. No, you're no, wrong that's about just that. totally wrong. We, we said, okay, what did you call it? We, we, what, what we have said consistently is there are two explanations that- Well, actually we didn't say consistently. Initially in some of our writings, we made exactly the mistake you're talking about, where we said that the lab leak theory was wrong. And it hadn't been substantiated one way or the other that it was wrong. And then about like a year and a half ago, we went back, we probably had used that characterization in three or four of the 40 sites we had rated. And you can get the exact numbers because what I'm about to describe to you is sitting on our website. Uh, we made a correction and we said in those few instances where we said that the lab leak theory was wrong, um, and that there's no evidence of it, that is unsubstantiated. What is what the what the experts continue to say is wrong and is unsubstantiated is that it was deliberately manufactured or concocted, you know, engineered is the word that we use. Yeah, engineered uh, by the Chinese. In most cases, we had gotten that right. In a few cases, we had gotten the language wrong. Now let's talk about the difference between us and GDI. Everything I have told you, you would know on our website or we're telling you right now. With GDI, you have no idea, I have no idea how they've rated sites based on how they've treated COVID, the lab leak theory, uh, January 6th, you name it. Um, because they're secret, how they do it is secret, how we do it is completely transparent. And when we make a mistake, as I've just described, we are the first ones 
to admit it and to correct it and be transparent about it. So we did make that mistake. Again, it's, it's five of 30 or 40 or 20, I forget what it is, but that number is, is sitting on our website in that correction. And the fact is, I don't think that's misinformation. That's called making a mistake. And the misinformation is if you, you know, if you either deliberately make a mistake and don't correct it, or if you make a mistake and know about it and don't correct it. Which okay, is well, what, sorry. No, I'm we, sorry, you go our, ahead. Our, our standard language. Well, I mean, let me. I'm I happy mean, to send, Michael, I'm happy to send you our standard language, which is there are two theories that it was natural causes or a lab leak. What we say is this, as Steve said, there's evidence that it was not engineered. But unlike a lot of others, that has been, the, uh, with the exception of the small number of cases Steve cited, that's what we said from the very beginning. Our standard for false content is high. Okay, and but but if I follow, if I understand Mr. Brill's definition of misinformation, um, you just got done telling me that what you've described as a grant is actually inaccurate and that you should have described it as a contract. No, no, so, no. That, you, know, you can keep no. repeating that, but that's not what we said. Okay. And Clarify for me what you said. We said that a, a clearer way to describe that, especially in light of how what we now know retroactively, how it's being misinterpreted, is we should have described it as a contract. But a contract and a grant in uh, the Pentagon's own uh, definition are probably one in the same. So it, it, was it, it wasn't precise enough in the context of, of the discussions we're now having then, uh, we're now having, because we didn't dream that we'd be uh, you know, grouped in with an outfit that is seeking grants from one side of the political aisle and from the government to do ratings of news sites that, you know, somehow, I guess by coincidence, always fall on one side of the political aisle, which is not us by any stretch. Okay, but but I hope you can appreciate what I'm asking about at a level of definitions and of subjectivity, of human subjectivity, which has been the subject of Western philosophy for hundreds of years. And that one person's idea, one person's mistake ideology beliefs these things get combined and then and this word misinformation is being is being applied to many of those things we might consider i think you and i might we might go to a bar and have a disagreement michael take a look not by us i mean i agree with you as a general matter but certainly not by us take a look at our rating system the nine criteria are spelled out in have you read any of our nutrition labels Yes, and I want to get into it, but I just didn't want to race past what I think is a pretty important question that had that had to do with your this uh, your own situation and the description of a difference between a contract and a grant. But I think I've we've gotten we've achieved. Yeah, and I don't I don't agree with you that anyone who makes a mistake is in the misinformation business. I I agree with you about that. How many centuries of philosophy you attribute that to? I don't agree with that. I agree. Okay, well, let me let's get to I want to I want to get back to malinformation in a minute, but just on the issue of the government funding, 
Beyond the 750,000 from the Pentagon, has there been any contracts or, or grants or any other sources of money from any U.S. government agency? Yes, yes. We got, initially we got, that was called a phase two cyber. There was a phase one piece of it where we got $25,000 to, in essence, to describe how the mission information fingerprints would work and could work. And that was what's called an ENSIGN grant, N-S-I-N. We put out a press release about that too, so you can get all the details. And that was, and which agency was that from? That was the same agency. It was also the Pentagon. And then we got a small grant from the, uh, the GEC, everybody's favorite agency, uh, the Global Engagement Center, to do for them, uh, to share with them uh, the fingerprints we had created related to Russian disinformation in Venezuela. It has nothing to do with rating American news sites, nothing to do with rating anybody's news sites. They were, they, just, they were interested in understanding Russian information operations targeting Latin America through Venezuela. And that, I think, was another $25,000. Are you guys aware that former Twitter safety head Yoel Roth denigrated the work that ASD did in Venezuela, saying it seemed like ASD was back to the tricks it ran with Hamilton 68. And Not I'm only curious, am I aware of it, I don't even know what ASD is. What's ASD? The Alliance for Securing Democracy. I have no idea. Okay. Um, and were any of Hamilton's 68 creators, including Clint Watts, Laura Rosenberger, Jonathan Morgan, J.W. Berger, Aaron Weisberg ever involved in NewsGuard? No. Can you um, explain how NewsGuard met and came to onboard General Hayden, Richard Stengel, Anders Vogue, Ram, Ram, Rasmussen, and Tom Ridge? Sure. What is, their, what is that about? Let's do them one by one. I wrote a book about the aftermath of 9-11 and spent a year on and off with Tom Ridge and got to know him pretty well. And when we were forming this, I thought he'd be a, a good person just to, to, to bounce ideas off. That's Tom Ridge. Rick Stengel was the person who, when he was editor of Time, um, I convinced him after the New Yorker wanted to cut the piece I wrote on the healthcare scandal in the United States, they wanted to cut it all the way down to 14,000 words. I convinced Rick to uh, publish it in an entire issue of Time Magazine at 28,000 words, and that's how I know Rick. Um, Michael Hayden, um, I didn't know him. I was watching him on, um, on Bill Maher one night, and he said something to the effect that there ought to be a, what's it called, Rotten Tomatoes? What's yep. the movie? There ought to be a Rotten Tomatoes to, uh, for news and information sites. And uh, we were in the process of starting NewsGuard, and I thought, well, he'd be a great person to bounce ideas off of, and he, and I got to add him to, uh, to the advisory board. The advisory board has has no say at all over any ratings, anything at all we do, except as a general matter, we will bounce ideas, but you know, nothing to do with individual ratings of websites. Who was the, uh, the fourth person? Anders Fogh Rasmussen. So he, 
He's the former Secretary General of NATO, the former Prime Minister of Denmark. Um, I think, Steve, we were, we were introduced to him. I cannot, now I can't remember by. I think uh, by someone at Microsoft. Possibly. Yeah. In any case, yeah, um, as we began to do work relating to information operations, hostile information operations, such as from Russia, that's an area in which he's been quite active for some time, including his time at NATO. I'd also observe the, you know, our advisory board is intentionally quite bipartisan. And then what about Tom Ridge? I told you about Tom Ridge. Oh, sorry. Yes. Can you, um, do you guys um, agree with Richard Stengel who argued that the First Amendment should not protect hateful speech that can cause violence by one group against another in an age no, when everyone I, has a megaphone? I that's absolutely don't agree with him. No, and that's not one of our criteria. We, and in fact, we have, uh, in, we have been repeatedly asked um, by the various ad agencies we work with if we would develop a criteria for hate speech and we have refused and will continue to refuse. I happen to to, to be a little wacky on this subject. I think most hate speech laws are probably unconstitutional. So do you support social um, freedom of speech on social media platforms as broad as the Supreme Court has protected uh, free speech in its critical rulings on the First Amendment? Oh, totally. You must not know Gordon, if you're even asking that question, but, but, you know, but totally. Uh, you know, NewsGuard was started to basically uh, uh, provide an alternative either to the government getting involved in speech in any way, shape, or form, or leaving uh, decisions about speech to people none of us know who have proven they don't have much expertise um, in Silicon Valley. So, so um, you know, what we do is we give people information about who's behind what they're about to read. And we hope we do it in a fair way. We think we do it in a fair way, but if we don't do it in a fair way, you know, then someone ought to compete with us and do it in a fair way. But we're not, you know, we don't believe in, in even in blocking anything online. Right. So Michael, when we started the company in 2018, the problem that we saw was that it had become very difficult for news consumers to understand what the different brands were, what they stood for, what their practices were. We saw that RT had become the single most popular channel, news channel on YouTube. Um, there was a lot of taking advantage of the open internet to uh, essentially fool consumers into thinking yeah. that sites were- But we also saw the healthcare stuff, even more than RT was, was yeah. healthcare. And endless, you know, we'll sell you a subscription to Peach Pits to cure your cancer on a website designed to look like the American Cancer System <laughs> website. So the pro, and, and what we saw was there were secret partisan groups doing ratings and there were the platforms where Facebook, Twitter, Google, and YouTube uh, had done their own ratings of publishers. And as former publishers, we knew that the publishers had no idea what their ratings were, what the criteria were, what they could do to rate better. And 
you know, the platforms would say, well, we can't tell you that, you know, then you game our system, so we, which we thought that was outrageous and uh, ticking time bomb, as it turned out to be. So our approach is completely different, which is our nine criteria are spelled out in great detail. They're applied equally to everybody. And we have detailed nutritional labels, as we call them, describing each of the websites. And we contact the website, each website, if it looks like they're going to fail on any of our nine criteria. And we're proud of the fact that about a quarter of the domains we've rated have engaged with our analysts and improved their score by improving their practices, typically disclosure practices. Yeah, we want people to game our system. So this is- We're not an algorithm. We want people to say, gee, if I had a corrections policy or if Barry Weiss disclosed her ownership, she'd get a hundred instead of an 85 or whatever she gets. 87 and a half. Yeah. I, I, um, how do organizations like NBC, the New York Times, NPR get such high ratings when I can name three, I think that you, the three of us would agree are extremely important cases that they not only got wrong, that they had um, inappropriate journalistic engagement with. That would include Hunter Biden's laptop, lab, lab leak, lab leak theory, and Russian influence on the 2016 election. You've reached the end of this episode of the free version of Publix Podcast. To access the full version, become a paying subscriber at public.substack.com.